I don't know about you, Nina, but I was a total dork. So these like the way these like teenage girls, like how they dress anymore. I'm like, you guys are so cool. Like, I wish I had that fashion sense. Oh my God. It's so irritating. Like <laughs> seeing the kids today and I look back at my pictures from when I was that old and I'm like, oh my God, I was such a freak. Like, why did I look so dumb? You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Men Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie, and I'm Nina. I'm excited for this episode today. How how do you feel about it? I was kind of back and forth about it at the beginning before I ended up watching this show. I kind of thought like didn't really know what to expect. Um it when you're when you're renewing a show um or even something that's like based on books, I feel like it, it can really be touch and go. So this particular series, I was kind of, I was anxious to see what it was going to be like, if I was really going to even like it or not. And then if it was going to be like worthy of talking about for almost an hour that we, Mm -hmm. that we do these podcasts. But honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. We're talking about, I would say a pretty, I mean, there was a, there was a lot of hype for it. I remember a lot of marketing for it went before it came out. Uh, it's a Netflix original series. It is the pilot season. It is called The Babysitter's Club. So um, this is based actually on the children's novel series of the same name by Anne M. Martin. And there was also a television series and a movie originally. So this is technically a reboot. Um, it was just released on July 3rd of this year. So it's been out for just about two months um, and the series was created by Rachel Schukert. So yeah, I had heard about this and I saw a lot of articles saying that it was very, um, it handled a lot of mature topics very well. I heard that it was really just very a progressive show and also a very like, like good influence, I guess. And that's kind of how I felt watching it. I felt like I was like, if I had a, a daughter in middle school, I'd be like, watch this show because it was just like full of so many great messages and very diverse characters that I feel like anyone can relate to. So I was really pleased with the show as well. I was kind of indifferent before we started it. I was like, you know, I, I didn't know the series, the original series. Nina and I talked about this. Neither of us had watched the other series. Did you even read the books? Because I don't think I did. I might've had some, but I don't remember reading any. I did read some um, and I owned some, but I wasn't, it wasn't my favorite series of that like period of my life, you know? Yeah. Um, There were a lot of book series kind of like that. Like the Boxcar Children was more of my um, Mm -hmm. short novel series jam and then it kind of bled into, you know, we were, we were so lucky in our childhood to have like such good books come out. Like Harry Potter was huge Mm -hmm. coming out when I was a kid. Yeah. What else did I read? was a lot of good stuff um but so this kind of went by the wayside sort of but the scholastic book fair was like the best it was like the <laughs> highlight of the school year oh yes so, it was love it I don't know if they really do they even do that anymore oh god well not in COVID time definitely not in COVID <laughs> I don't think that those exist anymore I remember yes that was like even if you didn't like to read it was such a bomb time. Like everyone was so excited for the scholastic book fair and it was more than just books. It was also like crafts and I think like stationary stuff. It was so much fun. I was also a huge like book nerd in elementary school. So I was really excited all the time. I was thinking about other books that I read when like I was in elementary school, middle school. Oh, the one I was trying to think of was the series of unfortunate events. I was really into that. I didn't read those books. Oh, they were really good. I don't know. I, well, obviously Harry Potter, I read Harry Potter. I am looking at this book series, Magic Treehouse that I read in elementary school more than middle school. But, you know, it was definitely, what's great about this show is 
it feels very nostalgic, but it also feels very, you know, modern. And I think that is exactly what they were trying to do with this. So it's a very modern take on the original series. It's, you know, I'm assuming the year 2019, because it's definitely not 2020. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, you know, kind of brought up to modern times. And I think they did that really well. And they also tackled, like I said, a lot of really mature topics and themes that we will cover as we kind of go through the plot. So let's talk about our main cast of characters. And like I said, they're a bunch of diverse girls, but they're also not just diverse as far as like who they are, but just their personalities. It kind of got me to thinking like, it's only a matter of time before Buzzfeed comes out with like a personality quiz, like which babysitter are you, you know? And so um, I love that about this cast and this group of girls. So Sophie Grace plays Christy. She is the president of the Babysitter's Club. She's also very, I got a very like feminist Hermione Granger vibe from her. She's kind of the leader of the group. She can also be a little controlling and, um, you know, just kind of wants to boss people around. Bossy, I guess you could call her. But she's also going through a lot with her family. So her mom is a single mom. She has three brothers, so there's four kids. And she's dating this guy named Watson. And her mother is played by Alicia Silverstone, who I didn't realize was in the show. So it was a really nice surprise when I started watching it. I was like, oh my God, Alicia, my girl, as we know, you know, from Clueless and kind of a 90s icon. There's even a line, I think it's in the first episode where Christy is like, it's a voiceover and she's like, you know, even if my mom didn't see eye to eye and everything, she wasn't totally clueless. And I was I like, I caught oh. that too. <laughs> it was so I thought cute. that was so funny. Such I see nice. what she did there. Yeah. That was such a nice little like Easter egg in there. That was funny. Um, but yeah, so she's dating this guy Watson. And in the very first episode, she tells her kids that they are getting married. And as somebody who, you know, I was about the same age as Christy's character when my parents got divorced. So I was like, totally relate girl to just that weird family dynamic. I mean, you find out more about kind of what happened to Christie's dad and that's not my situation. That did not happen to me, but just, you know, being that age and having a lot of change like that, it was definitely something I could relate to. Um, we have Momona Tamana. She plays Claudia, who is the vice president of the group. She is very fashionable. She's artistic. She's just, I like, I looked at her clothes and her hair and her room and her decorations. And I was like, I wish I was that cool when I was in middle school. <laughs> I don't know about you, Nina, but I was a total dork. So these like the way these like teenage girls, like how they dress anymore. I'm like, you guys are so cool. Like, I wish I had that fashion sense. Oh my God. It's so irritating. Like <laughs> seeing the kids today. And I look back at my pictures from when I was that old and I'm like, Oh my God, I was such a freak. Like, why did I look so dumb? The kids today look like high schoolers. Like they wear makeup. They have great fashion sense. They just look like so cute. And I was wearing like, I don't know, like matching sweatsuits and stuff back then. God, oh so yeah. Weird. I would wear like Hollister sweatpants to school with like an American Eagle top, braces, straightened hair. And they have like cell phones and, mm -hmm. you know, they talk about like Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, can you imagine if like, if I was in middle school and I Instagram, I'd post the dumbest stuff. Seriously, so stupid. Oh my gosh. I remember like when I was that age, I had a computer and I think at one point we must have gotten like a, you know, like one of those little cameras that sit on top of your desktop, you know, mm -hmm. like it wasn't installed in my computer. Computers did not come with cameras at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and like all the selfies, all of the, I was like, oh my God, I'm so cool. Horrible, horrifying to look back at. Jesus. Oh. I'm just like so weird. I know. I, we all went in that. I would oh. agree. It's, it's very frustrating that like <laughs> we had those horribly awkward stages and teens just don't now they just skip it they yes. just go straight to being like perfect skin and like perfect so hair cute. and clothes and ugh. it's not fair I, I could talk about like how freaking weird I was in middle school forever like like the um AOL instant messenger like away messages was yep. like song lyrics like such mm -hmm. like so embarrassing things to like think back about and I'm like oh god why did I do this it's such simpler times too right <laughs> true like, just, I used to think, I was like, man, wouldn't it be great if AIM still existed? And I'm like, but there's cell phones. That's essentially right. the same it's thing. Literally texting. Yeah, it's, it's literally what it is. 
but it felt so much more special, you know, because you would just, you'd come home from school and you'd get on your computer. Who's online? Who's, who can I chat mm -hmm. with? Or if your crush comes on and you like post a, you know, aloof away message. It's, <laughs> those were the days. I know. It's sad to think too, because that was really like before a lot of negative things started coming up on the internet, you know, like yeah. negative reviews and cyberbullying and all those kinds of things that are so dangerous to a forming mind, mind of a child at that age that we didn't really have to deal with because we were kind of at the beginning of it, didn't really see it as much. And now I'm, I just think of how influential that must be for kids of that age to see all of those things online and, and deal with cyberbullying and, and the effects of that when you go to school and like, yeah, they have a lot of really, really great things, but they also have a whole another level of like bullying and, and weird issues to deal with that we didn't have to. So it's definitely a double-edged sword in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just constantly being subjected to social media, you can't really, you know, turn it off as easily as you could before. You just walk away from your computer and you were, you know, unplugged. We don't have that luxury anymore, but, um, I would say, you know, it's accurate in that respect with, you know, showing the updates in technology and social media, but it's definitely not like the, the focal point of the show. It has some really, really great messages about um, just very progressive messages, but we'll get, we'll get into that. So um, anyway, Claudia, she's fashionable. She's artistic. She's also Japanese American and they have a really great episode kind of about her culture, which I thought was amazing. Well, not her culture. Um, just kind of um, her history. And um, she has a grandmother, they call her Mimi. She's wonderful and they're very close. And she has an older sister, Janine, who is kind of, you know, just a typical older sister who's just kind of, you know, kind of mean, but, you know, means well. And so they, they have a little bit of a, you know, episode where they grow closer as well. Uh, Shay Rudolph plays Stacy McGill. She is the treasurer. She is the a wealthy member of the club who just moved from New York from the Upper West Side. Um, she is very classy, a very sweet girl. We later find out that she has diabetes that has a little side storyline, which I thought was really awesome, you know, kind of normalizing that. Um, you don't really see that in, in shows about, you know, teen shows, tween shows. So it was really nice representation, I think. Yeah, I think they had a really good representation for a lot of different things in this show. And I'm excited mm -hmm. to talk about that. Yes. Malia Baker as Marianne Spear. She is the secretary. She's Christy's best friend. She's super, super shy. She has kind of a very overprotective dad, but he loosens up as the show goes on. I, I liked that, that they kind of made him a little bit better of a guy as the show went on. Her father, he's a single dad. You find out that uh, Marianne's mother passed away some time ago. Um, and then that also kind of has its own story because her dad starts seeing someone else, which is interesting. Mark Feuerstein is, he plays Watson Brewer, who is Christie's mom, Elizabeth, her fiance, and then husband by the end of the show. I didn't recognize him from anything. I don't think he was in anything that I would have known of. Okay. Let me look up that guy. What's his okay. name? Uh, Mark Feuerstein, F-E-U-E-R. Steen, S-T-E-I-N. He looked really familiar. Yeah, um, see if we know him from anything. Oh, he's in Wet Heart American Summer. That's what I was trying to remember. Oh, okay. We also have Sochil Gomez as Dawn Schaefer. She's Marianne's new friend who moved from L.A. She isn't in the first couple of episodes. She joins the group a little bit later in the show. Her parents divorced because her dad came out as gay. And you find out when they move back because... Um, Stony Brook, where the show takes place, the mom actually grew up there and moved to LA and was moving back. And you find out that she and Marion's dad used to date in high school. So that's kind of a funny little side story. And then we also have um, Watson's kids just for uh, character names as we talk about different plot points. Karen and Andrew, he has two younger children. So the show is 10 episodes long. They're each about, or the show is the season is, the season has 10 episodes and each is about 30 minutes long. So it's super easy to get through. I kind of took my time with it. I watched a couple of episodes a day, but it's definitely bingeable. It's so sweet and fun. Like I found myself like just all like the whole time I watched it. It's very, I mean, it's obviously a little for a little bit younger of an audience, 
but I still enjoyed it. I think it's still super nostalgic and maybe not for people that are like older than us. Um, but like for, I think for our, our age group, it's still super nostalgic because the time when we were, you know, in middle school and early high school and like babysitting age really wasn't that long ago for us. It was like only, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So it still had a lot of like good, like, Oh, I remember when I was going through that kind of, you know, thoughts. Um, but I appreciated other than really the whole theme of this show being nostalgic, they had a lot of like cute nostalgic throwbacks of like 90s stuff and like, you know, the corded Mm -hmm. phone and that kind of stuff. So it was, it was kind of, like you said, sort of an Easter egg, like looking for those things, which made it more exciting to watch. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's get into some of the major plot points. So um, in the very first episode, it's Christy who kind of comes up with the idea to make this babysitting club. She realizes that there is a potential to make some money off of this um, when she finds out her mom needs a sitter. I believe that she, I think she's a real estate agent and she's trying to, you know, she has a meeting with a new client or something and she makes a point about how, you know, it used to be so easy. You could just pick up the phone and you call a neighborhood girl and you'd have a babysitter. Now it's so difficult to find one. And so Christy kind of comes up with this idea. She presents it to her best friend, Marianne, and they also talk to Claudia, who I think they used to be close. They used to be really good friends, but Claudia is kind of a little bit more popular now. But um, she's like, sure, let's do it. She joins the group and she brings Stacy along, who again had just moved from New York. So um, Claudia is kind of her first friend. So the four form the group. Christy's a little reluctant to have somebody she doesn't know. She doesn't really trust Stacy yet. Like, who is this Stacy? Sounds very much like me. Like, <laughs> that's what I would be like. Like, who is this outsider? Who are you? But um, everyone eventually becomes very good friends throughout the course of the show. This is also the first episode we find out that Elizabeth, uh, Christie's mom, is getting married to her boyfriend, Watson. At this point, we don't know what happened to her dad. We later find out in a different episode kind of what happened to him. But it seems like, you know, the brothers, they're kind of whatever, you know, cool mom's getting married. But it's very hard for Christy because it's her mom and she's, you know, going through, you know, middle school years which are hard enough and that's just a lot to deal with at that age and um it doesn't seem like she like hates her mom's boyfriend but she doesn't really like him and she thinks that her mom is just going to get swindled up by this rich guy because he we don't I don't know if we know what he does but he's very very wealthy there's a lot of money huge house and they were going to like move out of their house and move into this almost like a mansion probably not that big but a very nice house and so she's kind of like you know are we selling out is this guy just you know, flaunting his money for my mom, or is my mom, you know, kind of losing her feminist values, <laughs> which I thought was so, just a great character trait for, for Christy, how she's, you know, this little, you know, feminist warrior, and this leader, and this very, um, uh, gosh, what sort of, like, outgoing, and very, like, progressive character, I, I love that about her, um, so she, she finds out about the proposal and kind of just has to deal with that as the show goes on and they get closer to the wedding day. There's a whole episode about the wedding, which is really sweet and actually a pretty big episode. Um, they end up, you know, all meeting together, the girls and decide to form the group and they say, wouldn't it be great if you could just like pick up the phone and call a number of babysitters and they pick one for you. And it's, you know, like a, you know, a group of business their first client is actually Watson who needs one of them to watch his kids while he does something for work. And Christy's like, I'm not going to do it. So Marianne does it, does such a great job that he recommends them to their friends and their business kind of takes off from there. And um, something that I really appreciate about this show is they have different voiceovers, not just from one person. The show is not just from Christy's perspective or Claudia's perspective they each get little moments where they kind of focus on that girl and she has a voiceover, which I really liked. It kind of really deepened the stories. It deepened the characters and it was a very interesting storytelling choice to make. Some shows don't have a, you know, first person perspective at all. And some have one that's just one person that's like the lead. So I really liked that. I don't know about you, Nina, but I loved that aspect of the show. Yeah, I think it was a good opportunity to get to know a little bit more about each character and what was going on in their head and what they thought about certain situations. Um, there's a lot of shows that are kind of like that, that have the rotating 
narrator. I'm trying to think of one. I know that, that they did in The Politician a couple of times. They did. Um, as the show goes on, as we do that, we learn about more about each girl in the group. The second episode kind of focuses around Claudia, and it's from her perspective. She is a fantastic artist, but she feels like her parents don't really understand her. Like I said, when I was introducing her, she has a very close relationship with her grandma, um, and then she has her older sister, Janine. In this episode, it's like a Halloween dance. She has this crush on this boy, Trevor, who is also into art. I think his dad's like a really famous artist, and he kind of sort of asked her to go to the dance, and um, she she and Stacy want to go. Christy and Marianne don't, or Marianne can't, because her dad is really kind of overprotective. Um, so Watson needs someone to watch his kids again, and Christy ends up having to do it reluctantly because she's the only one available. And this is when she kind of gets to know his kids, and it's the start of you know that building that relationship between. Christy and her mom's boyfriend, you know, he's trying really, really, really hard to be a part of her life and to be, you know, show her that, Hey, I'm, I'm here to, you know, be a positive presence in your life and, you know, love your mother, take care of you guys. And I, I thought that was really sweet too. Like his pursuit of his soon to be stepdaughter, which was a great story. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super cute. So the second episode is kind of from Claudia's perspective and how she is just, she's an artist. She's not the smartest in school. She's not like dumb, but she's just, you know, average, but she really doesn't do well with math. And her parents tell her she has to get, you know, an A. She kind of cheats her way to getting the A when she really got, I think, you know, like she failed the test. And it's a little side story, but it kind of shows, you know, a little bit more about her and, you know, her family dynamic and just, um, I like again, like I said, I liked getting that perspective from each of the girls. In the third episode, they find out about well, actually, it's at the end of the second. They find out about this rival group, the Babysitters Agency, and it's full of like teenage girls in high school, and they're kind of sweeping up the market because they can drive and they don't have curfews. You know, they're way more available and have more responsibility than the younger girls. So they kind of have, you know, like a like a business rivalry for a little bit. It's um, it's kind of cute. Um, in this episode, we also find out more about Stacy. So we, we learn that the real reason that she left New York was because she had diabetes undiagnosed for a long time. And she had um, a diabetic seizure in school and there was a video and it got passed around and it just was a really embarrassing experience for her. So they left and then she felt very embarrassed of her illness. So again, like I said, I loved what they did with this story you know, kind of brought awareness to, you know, type one diabetes, normalized it and, um, made it just was, um, what was in my train of thought? <laughs> they, you know, brought it to the forefront of, of this teen show, which I really appreciated. Um, but what, how that video gets brought up is it's the babysitter's agency, the girls walk in and they, well, they find that one of their client's kids is in the street playing by himself and they called parents basically a cattle on them like hey do you know what these people are doing with your kids well then the, the older girls find this video which was so just oh, mean and stacy has to confront all the parents and say hey we can still watch your kids i have it under control and all the parents talk about how great the girls are and how they like do arts and crafts and they you know are very mature and they really spend a lot of time with them so i thought that was really sweet, a really sweet aspect to the story. Another really awesome, very progressive storyline. I, I feel like I keep saying progressive a lot. I don't know what other word to use, but it's just what it is. Uh, Mary Ann gets asked to babysit, specifically Mary Ann, because she's friends or she knows her dad, the, the mother of the child, to babysit a child named Bailey. And it causes some friction between Mary Ann and the other girls because they're, they're like, well, it's against, I don't know, the bylaws that you have like specific people asked for. Like they want it to be more, you know, inclusive of everybody, more of a random selection or, you know, everyone gets a fair chance, I guess. So everyone, they're kind of mad at her and she talks about it to her dad and he turns it around like they're bullying her. So then they're all fighting with Marianne and she's alone. So she eats lunch by herself one day and that's when she meets Don who had just moved from LA and, um, 
like I had said earlier on, her mother and father got divorced. Her father came out as gay. And so they went back to their hometown of Stony Brook, or at least the mom's hometown, I should say. And Marianne and Dawn become good friends. They spend a lot of time together. You find out that Dawn and her mom are very free-spirited and are very open to new things and different things. They are from L.A. So um, so they become pretty good friends kind of while all of this fighting is going on. But the main point of this episode was Marianne finds out that the client's child, Bailey, is transgender. And there is an episode, there's a day when she's watching her and she finds out that she has you know fever 104 and she doesn't know what to do so she calls 911 to get an ambulance take her to the hospital and when they're there the doctors misgender her and she has this very brave awesome moment where she takes them outside and kind of explains the situation she says that you know you're disrespecting this patient by misgendering them and um her dad sees it he sees how mature she is and he starts to kind of back off a little bit throughout the first couple episodes her dad, you know, is like, you're 20 minutes late. You can't have your phone anymore, or you can't do this by yourself. Like he's very overprotective of her and he kind of loosens up a little bit here. And I think also once he meets Dawn's mom again, like I said, you find out that they used to date in high school and they have a history and now they're both single again. So the girls try to parent trap them, which is cute. So then Marianne brings Dawn into the group and Christy is of course a little skeptical at first. She's like, who's this girl? She needs her to prove herself, so she has her watch this really rowdy group of kids to kind of, like, prove, I don't know, maybe it's like a form of, like, hazing, I guess, like a really difficult, a difficult group of kids to watch, and um, in this, we learn, because of the clients, the mom, she is a single mom, and she kind of takes advantage of the, of the babysitters and makes them stay late and do things that, you know, they're not really... I guess they don't really know how to do yet or just just kind of taking advantage of the situation. And then we find out one of the boys goes missing, but it was actually the dad who took him on a swimming lesson and the mom neglected to tell her that. So the mom was just not doing what she was supposed to do. But in that Christy kind of has a moment where she reveals to Dawn the truth about her relationship with her own dad, which, which is that he left. And um, you know, is obviously still very much affecting her because she, to her, it seems like all the other dads, that her friends have are very involved in their lives. And even if they might be a little overbearing, they're still there. And so we learn a little bit about her. And um, after that, Dawn kind of gets initiated into the group. Over the next couple of episodes, um, there's a couple of more uh, little storylines involving like Mimi. She um, ends up having a stroke and uh, while she's recovering, um, Claudia is trying to communicate with her and she can't, and that just really hurts her because she, you know, that's the one family member that she can relate to and that she can, you know, open up to, and she can't really talk to her because she's had the stroke. She's trying to get her words back. So she tries drawing for her. And, uh, one thing that happens is she starts talking about memories of when she was in a, um, a concentration camp or is that a detention camp, when she was in a detention camp. Um, back in World War II in the United States. And I love how they kind of had this little storyline as well, kind of bringing awareness to stuff that went on in, in the United States with our Japanese Americans. And there's a great line where Claudia says, you know, how could somebody do that to families? And Janine says, how could they still do it? Which I thought was a nice, not a nice, but it was definitely like a, you know, holding a mirror up to society moment. It was also a sweet moment too, that that she was able to connect with her sister who they're, they're kind of just on totally different wavelengths in life. You know, her sister's older, um, seemingly like super mature, um, has aspirations to be a doctor and all of these things. And, and so they just don't get along really. And learning about her, like her grandma's um, like internment camp storyline and all of that basically brings them closer. And they have a sweet moment at the hospital where they're kind of like, holding each other and and it's it's not like the first time that we really see those two sisters like getting along in this in the show yeah I think anyone who has grown up with sisters has you know they know those moments absolutely and yeah <laughs> they know the moments that they had together you know every sister you know has those those moments where you're like all right come on you know we're sisters right even when you have uh, an age gap and and yeah. you're just not on the same page anymore um you still have that family history that keeps you together 
Yeah, that bond for sure. The next episode is kind of, I felt like it was very relatable to me. So during spring break, Stacy and Marianne go out of town for a week-long babysitting job on a beach with a family. And while they're there, Stacy develops a crush. She's kind of like the boy crazy one of the group. She develops a crush. Hold on. Tommy! No! I might have to put him in his kennel in a second. Hold on. She's kind of the boy crazy one of the group and she develops this crush on the lifeguard who is much older than her. And she kind of, you know, neglects the babysitting job a little bit and it starts to, you know, kind of rub Marianne the wrong way. She's a little disappointed in her friend who was supposed to be helping her and really isn't. And poor Stacy completely embarrasses herself in front of this boy who has a girlfriend, you know, he's 17. And I just felt so sorry for her. <laughs> I was like, I could totally relate. Like I've had a, a, very similar story from when I was that age. Yeah, it was an, it was a little cringy for me. I'm like, oh god, she's like chasing this guy, like bringing him stuff, and he's like calling yeah. her cutie, and like she's just totally taking it the wrong way. Like he's treating her basically like a child, kind of. She finds out that he has a girlfriend. It's super awkward, and I just oh, I feel I felt for her. <laughs> me too. Me too. Have been there for yes. sure. <laughs> um. And then, uh, then we get to the episode of Elizabeth's wedding, which is a super sweet episode. And you kind of get a feeling early on in the episode, cause they're talking about it's almost summer and they're going to go to camp. And, um, I think the letter that says, you know, feminine products, bring feminine products, which of course, as we know is tampons and things like that. But poor Christy is, you can, she hasn't had that happen to her yet. And so she's kind of like, Ooh, feminine products. What is it? boys have male products like thinking it's like a sexist thing and they're like oh I think they mean like tampons and she's like oh yeah of course and it's so sweet well if you can guess what happens in this episode is she gets her first period which as a middle school girl is a big moment but it happens on the day of her mom's wedding which kind of sucks they have a fight because uh she had this one dress that she absolutely hated but Watson was like you know what you can wear whatever you want. Let's find something that you like. So she finds this different dress that was pretty expensive. And her mom is like, you know, Hey, you guys need to talk to me about this. Cause you can kind of tell that her mom is a little uncomfortable with the money that Watson is spending on the kids. He buys one of the sons, a car, like a BMW. And she's like, I wish you'd talk to me about this. You know, she doesn't want her kids getting used to this kind of life. You know, it's okay to have money and you know be comfortable but she doesn't want them to become you know spoiled kids which again I really loved she seemed just like a really great mom that was really looking out for her kids and to you know them for to be good people and not you know obsessed with status or material things and but they have a fight and they never really get a chance to fix it throughout the wedding day the wedding day happens all the girls are there to support it's really funny when they're like showing the outfits that they're gonna wear um Marianne's dad, which I didn't really talk about, but he and Don's mom, they like have this like fight too. And then they get back together. He like sends her a turtle with a note and she loves it. But then at the wedding, he's hoping maybe they can reconnect. And he's like, which shirt should I wear? And it's like the exact same shirt, you know, cause he's just so very, you know, a little uptight, um, a little neurotic maybe. And he's at the wedding and he goes, she's, she's late. She's not going to be here. The turtle was too much. And his doctor's like, wait, what? And he's like, I want to drink. Do you want one? What am I saying? Of course not. <laughs> he thought that was, it was so, so funny. funny. Seeing him like nervous. <laughs> it was cute. He goes and gets like a glass of champagne and just like chucks it. And he's just like, you know, super, super nervous. She ends up coming. Dawn and her mom do, of course, they're just late. The wedding happens. And then, um, Christy keeps trying to find a time to talk to her mom. You know, she feels bad and she realizes, hey, you know, I am happy for my mom. I want her to be happy. She seems really, really happy and in love. And, and Watson seems to really love her and take care of her. And if she's happy, I'm happy. But she never gets the time to say it. And then eventually, um, while they're all sitting at the reception, she feels what we know is going to happen to her. She starts her period and all of her friends are like, Hey, you've joined the club essentially, which, you know, as, as women, and if there are any women listening to this podcast, as you know, 
it, it does kind of feel like a club when you join it. You know, my mom said to me, welcome to womanhood. It sucks. Like that's what she said to me when it happened to me. So I was like, yeah, very relatable moment. <laughs> I did not feel that way about, I felt like it was this <laughs> impending doom. Like when's it going to happen? It's going to happen in the most inconvenient, like situation ever which like if I were Christy I would have been having a freaking fit that it happened on my mom's like wedding night when I'm in like the world's most expensive bridesmaid's dress like I think they said that her bridesmaid dress was like $600 or something which is why it was like eight yeah so that's why her mom was so mad like why would you spend so much why would you have Watson spend so much money on a dress (laughs) Um, I would just be furious that was the time that my body chose Oh yeah. Horrible (laughs) timing, horrible timing, of course, but still, you know, she, you know, feels, you know, she's like, it's my big day too. Like kind of like making a joke of it. And then, um, she finds out that her mom and Watson are leaving, you know, their, their car, their chariot awaits and they're about to leave and she misses her. And she, you know, is really upset. She never got that chance to talk to her mom, but then her mom stops the car and they have this little heart to heart and it's freaking sweet. It got me a little emotional. Like I was like, Oh my God, this is like sweet mother daughter moment. She tells her what happened. She's really excited. They're going to go on their honeymoon. They make up, they hug. It's wonderful. Then we have the two part ending the last two episodes where they are at camp. And this also was super relatable because I went to like Girl Scout camp around the same. Well, I actually was in middle school as in elementary school, but you know, it reminded me of those days of camp and it was, it was super nostalgic. So they are going to the summer camp and they learn very quickly that they are all in separate cabins. So it kind of splits the group up into different groups. So Christy and Stacy are in the same cabin and they don't really, you know, spend a lot of time together. They also have slightly different personalities. Um, and then Dawn and Claudia are together and then Marianne's alone, but Marianne meets another girl in her cabin, Lane. She meets Lane, who shares her interest in musicals and Broadway, and they find out that the camp has like a stage and they decide to put on a play. Well, we later learn when people are auditioning for the play that Stacy knew Lane from school. She was her ex-best friend who sent the video of her having the seizure around. So they obviously have a history. And at first Stacy's like, I'll be cordial if she will. Well, then when they're practicing, they like I don't know, they like get into a fight or something. They're outdoors somehow and they both get pushed into the grass and there's poison ivy. So both Lane and Stacy, who was the lead in the play, can't do it. And so they have to like basically be isolated in a, you know, an infirmary room, I guess. And they make up there. But um, during all of that, Marianne takes on the lead role and her crush who they have a couple of moments throughout the show that she's like too nervous to talk to. And she's like super awkward in front of, which again, relatable. (laughs) And she, I honestly thought like her growth over the show was definitely the most compelling because she starts off super shy and she thinks she's just a crybaby and she gets upset at everything. And her dad's really protected and she doesn't have a lot of independence or confidence. And by the end, she's like the lead in a musical and she's kissing boys and it's awesome. I just I really loved that. Um, so that's going on. And then um, also uh, Claudia and Don find out that they have certain programs at this camp that cost extra money. And one of the people, one of the girls who's at the camp, you know, says, oh, my parents didn't give me any extra money. So they say, oh, well, if you can't afford these things, you can just like draw or just watch and help. They're doing like tie-dye shirts or whatever. And Don and Claudia are like, this is messed up. Like you have all these activities for kids that, you know, they have to be able to afford and it's, you know, making them feel left out if they can't do it. And so they kind of, they're very, you know, act, they're becoming like activists at the camp. And so they decide to start this like rogue art class that's for free. And they just find, you know, nature items like leaves and rocks and the director finds out and she's pissed and she, you know, punishes Claudia. So she has to stay in her cabin. And then Dawn helps organize different peaceful protests, which this all felt so like relevant to now, but where something is, I don't know, actually done. <laughs> like the protests actually led to change. Um, eventually they lead like the entire camp to protesting and, you know, trying to make it more inclusive and, you know, having more activities for kids who 
might not be able to afford the more expensive ones like horseback riding and things like that. And eventually they do, you know, kind of talk to the director into being like, okay, you know, well, in the beginning they say, hey, you know, we have a babysitter's club. We know how to take care of kids. If you need help, like counselors in training, we would love to help. And they don't trust them at first, but by the end of, you know, the episode or the two-part series, she sees the error of her ways and she lets the girls kind of beat CITs, counselors in training. And, you know, the camp becomes a more inclusive place. The camp director was giving me like mad Miss Trunchbull from Matilda vibes <laughs> the whole time. I was like, oh my God, it's her. It is her. Kind again. of, yeah. <laughs> Not as bad as Miss no. Trunchbull, but still. So that was the first season of the Babysitter's Club, all 10 episodes. It ends on not a cliffhanger, but it definitely ends on a note that could, you know, there are stories that could be continued. You know, what's going to happen with Don's mom and Marianne's dad? Are they going to get serious? Are they going to maybe get remarried to each other? Um, There's a couple of younger girls at the camp that also are from Stony Brook and they, um, you know, they asked him if they want to be junior babysitters you know they're expanding their club they're gaining more members and all of the girls are just super close now and really good friends they've all become they're more than a club they're best friends and it's just so wholesome and sweet like like I said in the beginning watching this show as a a middle school girl or just a middle schooler in general I feel would be so beneficial because it's just so positive well, I think it's really cool that, you know, when these streaming services first came out, it was really only like shows for adults. Um, and then they started like Netflix has its like little kids section um, that's separate from the rest of Netflix kind of. That's really about a lot of like cartoons and, and like little kids stuff. But there really wasn't like a whole category of things for like the middle people, you know, like transitioning middle schoolers into high schoolers and that kind of stuff. And there are a lot of shows and series like previously that would kind of fall into that category and we haven't really seen a whole lot of that in modern times so I think it's really cool that they did this reboot so that there's more on there for that age group to watch kind of um what's more relevant to them there have been quite a few like 13 reasons why it kind of falls into that category too never have I ever um there's a lot more shows now for that age group yeah stranger things too Um, So I just think it's really cool that there's kind of this whole like genre for that age group that's, they're really kind of putting more focus on now in streaming services. Yeah. And again, it's, it's very positive content. Like I said, great themes, great morals and stories presented, very inclusive, very progressive, like I keep saying. Um, But I would, I would totally agree that having this kind of niche demographic to market for, they've done a really good job in providing a lot of great content that is very inclusive and and also as an adult, great to watch. Like it's, there are some kids shows that are like, oh, I can't watch this. This is so boring. Or this is like clearly for people younger than me. Like it's, I'm not the target audience, but there are those great shows and films. And I've mentioned them before, you know, like with Pixar films that kind of expand past the typical demographic of just kids you know anyone can enjoy it and I would say that is definitely how I feel about this show now it is a little girly I will say that so it might not be for for everybody but it's sweet and I had a great time watching it well and there the the amount of books that are in this series there's 213 novels in this entire series oh my god right um and I will talk about that here in a little bit too but um I don't, I guess I don't really know what happens towards the end of the series. Like maybe they become more inclusive for boys in the club. I don't really know. Um, But that's like, there's a lot of different directions that Netflix can go with this in, you know, the next few seasons. I think that they definitely should continue making this series and they have a lot of material to work off of. Um, So I, it's comforting to know that you know, someday we're going to have kids that are in this age demographic and Netflix and streaming services like Hulu and Amazon, those, they're not going anywhere. They're going to be around. Who even knows if we'll have actually cable TV by the time we have middle school kids. So it's comforting to know that there's these positive um, TV shows and messages for that age group to watch. Absolutely. So Nina, you did a little background research on the origins of the Babysitter's Club story. Neither of us had seen this, like the original 
right? Right. Um, actually, there's there was a lot. Um, when you have, like I said, 213 novels in a series, like you can do a lot with that. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the author, Anna Martin, um, and then like the history of how she started writing the book. So she studied childhood, early childhood education, child psychology. Um, her senior thesis was actually the use of children's literature in a classroom, and she went on to become a teacher. She taught Which, fourth. Can I just say real quick? I love our teachers, and you guys. Right. I'm thinking of you as you're going back to school. Just wanted to throw that out there, but that's awesome. Continue. I know. I thought it was such a good like segue for like what's relevant right now. Yeah. Um, and her using the importance of children's literature in her own classroom, like segueing that into becoming an author. So she only taught for a year. She taught fourth and fifth grade. Um, and then she also taught special needs children, which influenced her writing, she said. Um, so then she went on to, do, to pursue publishing after a year of teaching, and she published her first book called Bummer Summer in 1983, which I had never read that. Um, but apparently it was a pretty popular book at the time. And then she started writing the Babysitter's Club in 1985. So it's been a long time, you guys. Um, she went on to write a book in 2003 called A Corner of U the Universe, which she won a Newbery honor for. So um, she has a pretty impressive history, obviously, as a writer. Um, she's 65 now. So mm -hmm. she's been doing this for quite some time. Um, the idea for the Babysitter's Club series um, originated from this editor that was at Scholastic Corporation who saw the popularity of a novel called Ginny's Babysitting Business, which I think that was back in like the 60s is when that book came out and it was really popular. Basically kind of the same concept. So this editor told um, Anna Martin about it and said, you know, take off with this idea of a Babysitter's Club. So she created the characters and the plots and the settings um, for the series and it was initially just supposed to be four books but it became so successful she kept writing um, by the time she had written the sixth book there was already a hundred thousand copies sold so she just kept on going um, there were some ghost writers for parts of that series you know one person can't just write 213 books right so she estimated that she wrote 60 to 80 of those books herself and then there were ghost writers for the rest of them um, and then in 2010, Scholastic wanted to try to like re-release the series. So she wrote um, a prequel for all of it called The Summer Before. So that book was just talking about like basically the girls' relationships with each other before they went back to school in, in the fall. Um, it went on to have three different spinoff books, series. So the first one was basically, um, it was called The Babysitter's Little Sister. So it's about Karen basically Aww. taking over the Babysitter's Club as the president, which is cute. Yeah. Um, there was another one, a spinoff kind of of that book called The Kids in Miss Coleman's Class. So it's Karen Brewer's classmates, basically, and they're, in they're like adventures together. Um, and then there was a third series that is like focused on Dawn's um, time when she lived in California. So it's supposedly targeted at like an older audience with more serious subjects like anorexia, um, sexual orientation, racism, um, those kinds of things. So that one is called California Diaries. Um, and then it went on to have a graphic novel series, uh, which they're still making wow. books for. Um, that started in twenty in two thousand six, um, which is it, by Graphics, which is like a division of Scholastic. Um, so they have all these graphic novels, and they're still making them. So that's pretty cool. Lots and lots and lots of books in this series. Um, they went on in nineteen ninety to make a TV series that was on HBO and Nickelodeon. Um, it was thirteen episodes. So then. Um, this is a, like the Netflix version is a reboot of that show, um, which obviously follows the books. There was also a film in 1995 um, called The Babysitter's Club, which starred a few people that we know. Um, Rachel Lee Cook was in it. What? Who is she? Um, I have to look it up, actually. 
So I should have written that part down. Um, should I should ask you, so these characters that are in the Netflix series, like all the names, Dawn, Christy, Claudia, are based on the real characters in the book, right? Their name? Yep. Are they yep. similar? Like, is Claudia Japanese American? Is Dawn? No, that was something that I was going to talk about oh, a little okay. bit later about how they changed. How they changed, yeah. I would love to know that. So who did Rachel Lee Cook play? I'm trying to find it. Club film. Um, so then they went on to release a TV. They went on to release a movie um, in 1995 called Babysitter's Club, which had a few um, a few characters that we know. So Rachel Lee Cook, who we know from She's All of That and Josie and the Pussycats. She was kind of a big 90s star. Um, she played Marianne. Oh, and then Larissa Olenek, um, she plays Dawn, and we know her. She was um, Alex Mack from The Secret World of Alex Mack. Yeah. Yeah, she was the sister in 10 Things I Hate About You, yeah. and she was in Mad Men, which I can't really remember her from Mad Men, but most importantly, she was in the movie Atlas Shrugged Part 2. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, which I didn't even know there was a movie about Atlas Shrugged. Me either. <laughs> which that's like a whole, like, kind of, I wanted to bring it up because it's a funny side story about our company um the name is I don't know how based I, off of that book like all of our like companies yeah. like like our like company what, what's it called like our company mission statement like comes from that mm-hmm. book and like how we do business comes from that book that's really funny right I thought that was like a cute little tie to Atlas um so you're ever interested in in reading the book Atlas Shrugged um think about think about us while you're reading it yeah. and apparently there's a movie <laughs> and a part two movie um, but anyway, so those are like the big names from that, from that television. Or those are the big names from that movie. Um, not a whole lot of other like big characters came out of there. Yeah, nobody else that I could recognize. So um, There was also a soundtrack that came out in 1992 called Babysitter's Club Songs for My Best Friends, <laughs> um, which came out on CD and cassette tape. Oh, I know. There was a computer game in 1996 called the Babysitter's Club Friendship Kit by Philips Media. Um, so they really, they really ran with this series, you guys. Like, did. this is like an entire <laughs> franchise. I, I know how deep it went. So, was the original like movie and show were they as progressive as the new one? Like, did they have the same like, themes and you know, kind of more touchier, mature topics? I think from the time that they were in, you know, like um, Stacy dealing with her diabetes, like that was pretty progressive for that time, I think, for someone to openly talk about their health issues. Um, but obviously, this, a lot of the things that we see in the TV show now on Netflix, um, like about transgender people and about um, like Dawn's aunt is like that spiritual, <laughs> spiritual that cool. practitioner, like witch lady. Um, that kind of stuff is not in the old series. They do deal with like divorce and remarriage, um, like especially with Chrissy's family. Uh, but really, you just have to think of it as, you know, these things came out in a different time. So they yeah. did do a lot of adaptation for the Netflix series. And I appreciate that. That I really wanted to talk about some of those themes. Like, Having mm-hmm. a transgender child, I thought was really, really uh, forward and relevant and important to even. Well, yeah, I totally agree with you. Sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say even um, like they were. What do I want to say? Like, it's so progressive that the the family was like. I mean, that kid. How old is that kid? Like ten? I don't even think. Maybe like six or seven. Right. And they like helped her change her name, like her name and like all of those. I don't know. The family was like very, very, very accepting of this transgender child's choices. Yeah. And I also thought it was super important how Marianne reacted when they took Bailey to the hospital and they were saying him and he, and they had just like a plain blue hospital gown for Bailey to wear and Bailey just looked really upset. She didn't want to wear it. She just felt really uncomfortable. And I got to be honest with you, like trans issues were not at the forefront of my mind when I was in middle school. It was not something that we knew a lot about. And it really shows the time and how times have changed and how we are becoming more 
you know, accepting and understanding, or at least wanting to understand. So I thought that that was a really awesome thing to include in this show. Yeah. A lot of other really good changes. There were just so many good changes about this series that I loved thinking about and kind of mulling over after I had watched it. Um, like what was I going to say? Oh, um, kind of like how Dawn's parents were married and they got divorced because her dad is gay. Um, and she was like very open to, about talking about that. Um, that one of the teachers was a married lesbian. That was really cool. Uh-huh. Like, and that wasn't even like a whole plot line. They just like threw that in there, which I was like, nice. I like, loved that. I forgot about that. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, and then talking about, um, oh, and then talking about, I thought this one was really cool too. That was pretty subtle, but um, we know that Marianne's mom died when she was young and she is biracial and they kind of go through this thing, this whole thing about Marianne thinking that she looks like a baby, that she needs to change her appearance, wear more mature clothes, change her hair. And her dad is a white guy and he doesn't know how to braid her hair. So there's a whole thing about that, about, you know, inclusion of people of color in this show and what kind of personal struggles they might have when being raised by, you know, a a parent that isn't the same color as them and what that kind of looks like. I thought that was really like super progressive to talk about and just super like, that's not something that you would think of necessarily to include in a series like this. I think, I think it's also important to note that um, this show was actually filmed in Vancouver. So I'm sure that I don't really know a lot, whole lot about the differences between the United States and Canada, but I'm guessing that they're kind of like things are a little bit different there as far as what is, I don't know, what's acceptable and what's not. Do you know anything about, I know that like Europe is a lot more progressive than us. So I'm just assuming that Canada probably is. Well, so for my many years of watching Degrassi, Degrassi was always, always had way more, um, very, uh, mature topics. You know, they covered abortion. Their very first episode of the next generation was about, you know, a freaking pedophile on the internet it, talking to one of the, you know, 12 year old girls and, you know, they're the abortion episodes. There's a couple of them. It's like a part one and a part two were actually banned in the U S like they didn't play them. And I would say now that probably wouldn't happen. I feel like now they'd probably show something like that. But at the time, you know, the early two thousands, it was like, no, don't talk about those things. Right. I would say a yeah, Canadian and like European storylines are definitely way more mature, maybe just more adults themes and content more progressive. I can't think of another word besides progressive, but just very 21st century ideas, I guess. Mm -hmm. A lot less like um, media censorship in those countries. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But that doesn't surprise me then that it was Canadian. Right. Yeah. Being filmed in Canada. Um, Plus the showrunners, executive producer, director, um, Rachel Shukert was from Glow. So I don't know if you were, did you watch Glow? Yes, I did. Yeah. So we have that, which is like a whole, like kind of like a feminist show basically. Um, and then Lucia Anello um, produced Broad City. So that's a whole nother, yeah. you know. So you have these two women that basically make feminist comedies. Um, and like that kind of revolve around friendship created the Babysitter's Club yeah. reboot. And so, right. Yeah, it's it was perfect, I think, for this age group. Um, to talk about, you know, multiracial casting and um, like girl positivity. So, which is another thing that I wanted to bring up about multiracial casting, which um, was not a thing in the novels or in the film or in the other TV series or in the soundtrack or in the, like, <laughs> the computer game. <laughs> um, that was all, you know, a modern thing to change the ethnicities of the girls in the story which I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, Kind of shows like the world that we're living in. It's kind of like how they say about Hamilton, how, you know, the, the stick with Hamilton is all the characters are played by people of color and they're obviously in his, in historic terms, white people. So the thing about that was it's telling America then with America now, which I would say is probably similar with the, this version of the babysitters club, you know, kind of showing that diverse, you know, there's interracial dating, there's, you know, uh, gay characters, transgender characters. Um, 
I don't know about you, but I get a vibe that Christy might be gay. Maybe season two, she explores her sexuality. I don't know, but I kind of got that vibe from her, not just because she was, you know, feminist, not all feminists are, you know, the same, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, but I, I don't know. I got kind of that vibe. I wouldn't be surprised again with how progressive the show is. If they introduced, you know, one of the the babysitters, one of the main cast as, as gay as well. I think that would be really interesting to talk about and, you know, out of that many girls, it's very possible one of them could be. Um, but I just, yeah, I loved what they were able to tackle on this show and they did it in a way that younger audiences can understand. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, introduced as something scary or something that like, what, I've never heard of this, but it was very, and it didn't dumb it down either. It made it very easy to understand and kind of very seamlessly, you know, introduced into the dialogue and into the plot lines to where it didn't really feel forced. I will say, it was a little like it felt like every episode was like trying to teach you some sort of societal lesson. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think that's great. Like I said, for, for kids of that age group, middle school, even high schoolers or, you know, kids about to go into middle school, you know, kids that are 10, 11 years old watching this show, I feel like we'll learn a lot and it will be a very positive show for them to watch. I understand right now specifically there's this huge kind of stink about um Cardi B's newest song um I won't say what it's called but there is a lot of uprising of people being like this is inappropriate they're not being good influences and it's like well as a parent it's kind of up to you to help know what's going on in your kid's life, what they're watching. And if you don't want them to listen to a certain song or watch a certain show, just, you know, don't let them or, you know, have parental controls, like do what you can to, you know, be that, be that positive influence. But I would say with this show, there's none of that. Let your kids watch it, watch it with your kids. It is. And if there's topics that, you know, might be a little bit more serious that they might need to have more explaining, go ahead and do that. I think this is the perfect show for that to kind of there's always, you know, people who say, oh, we shouldn't be talking to kids about these kind of things, whether it's divorce or people who are part of the LGBT community or, you know, racial issues. You are never too young to start learning about that. And I think that this is a great show for people to be introduced to those topics in a way that they can understand. Yeah, and I hope that the show just continues to go on and grow with the girls and talk about more serious topics as the girls get older and it becomes more relevant to them. I think it can really go a long way and be kind of like a, I don't know, like a, what do I want to say? I think I think this show could go on for a while, for a couple of seasons, a recurring show as they age and yeah. Right, right. I would be uh, really excited to hear about a, a second season, of course, with the state of the world, who knows when that's going to be, but as far as a pilot season, the show is pretty fantastic. Let's get into our review of the Babysitter's Club. I think for me, I'm going to give it a solid five. I would say maybe if I'm being really particular, maybe like a 4.85. Like it, I would say my only issues with it was sometimes it was a little bit too preachy. Just every episode had something that it was trying to cover or explain, which again, great. We, we should be exposed to these things. No problem with that. But sometimes it was just a little much. But I think overall, great story, great characters. It was funny. Like there are some really funny moments, not just ha ha ha, like, you know, kind of, oh, kid humor. Like, no, like genuinely funny, well-written uh, dialogue between the characters. Like I said, very well-developed characters and storylines. Everything about this was just awesome. I was a big fan. So five out of five for me. I agree with a lot of the things you said, though I would give it a four and a half out of five only because there were a few times where I felt a little bit bored with it. Um, in the first couple of episodes, I just wasn't, I kept thinking like, okay, where, where like, when are real things going to start happening kind of, because it was, it was a little slow to launch as far as like when they actually started the babysitter's club, when they were actually getting um, calls for, you know, um, babysitting jobs. Um, so in the first couple of episodes, I was a little bit bored watching it, but then it really started to take off and and they started hitting in like the episode where they went to the beach and the episode with the wedding and the episodes when they went to camp. So having more of an actual like theme of the show rather than just like the beginning startup was more interesting to me. 
So that's the only reason why I would give it a four and a half out of five. But I think now that the baseline is kind of set with, we know everything, we know a lot about like the families, we know about what the Babysitter's Club is, um, their rivals, all of these things. Um, I think it just sets that up for a really successful season two if it gets renewed. I agree. I hope that it does. I'm sure we'll let you guys know. We're always, for shows that we watch the pilot season, we're always looking out for the next one. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard that The Boys season two will be coming out very soon in a couple of weeks. We're excited and we're definitely going to review it because we had a wonderful time reviewing the first season, or at least I did. So that was The Babysitter's Club. Again, that is available on Netflix, the first season, 10 episodes. We liked it and we hope you do as well. Please let us know what you thought in the comments if you have seen it already. Um, but as always, we are always looking for new shows and movies to watch. So if there's anything that you guys are seeing out there that you think that we should give a review, let us know. And we will look into it and add it to our list. But until then, everyone, keep on streaming. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time. Keep streaming.